You are listening to the American Truth Project Podcast. Let's talk about what I think is the most important uh, news in our lives today, which is the November election and what it's going to mean for America and what I think are the important issues that you probably want to know a little bit about. Um, To begin with, I, I think from a political science view, what's so fascinating right now is we have an extraordinary experience for our lifetime in that the GOP has a candidate the likes of which it has never seen before. And I think it's interesting to discuss how did it happen, how did Donald Trump become the nominee when a couple years ago there were 17 people and he was handicapped to figure uh, in last place and be out of the race the first and instead he's in first place and he's the last in. Um, How did he win? In one sentence he broke every single known rule in political history at least in the modern century. Every expert said in order to mount a successful campaign uh, on a national scene um, there are certain things you have to do. You have to act the part. You have to say the right things. You have to be politically correct. You have to know the talking points. You have to be well prepared and you have to be well scripted. He broke every rule that I've just mentioned. Let's talk about it specifically. He spent virtually no money. This is unprecedented in national history. Um, When you compare to the other candidates, um, Jeb Bush spent $59 million and dropped out nine months ago. Marco Rubio spent $111 million and dropped out months ago. Um, Ted Cruz, who was there to the end, spent $112 million and dropped out after Indiana. And Trump spent virtually nothing. It's unprecedented. This is history I don't think will ever be repeated. He got so much free media, he became the news. Every channel, and I mean every channel, domestic, foreign, all over the world, Donald Trump, whatever he said that day, led the news. And he actually became the news. He hired no pollsters. That's a huge deal. Clinton started, I mean Bill Clinton, started the polling process so that they were test polling every subject. And they made decisions based on what you, the voters, were saying in focus groups. I spent, um, if any of you see my website, I had a really extraordinary day a couple months ago with America's uh, premier postal poster, pollster, Frank Luntz, in his home. Um, Frank has... has created a science around polling and it has a number of best-selling books out that are religiously followed on, by both parties to determine why people do the things they do when they're in the voting booth. Donald Trump hired no pollsters. He did his own polling or he read the national polls. He followed his gut. That's astounding. And he was right more often than he was not. And the people that spent tens of millions on polling are no longer candidates for president of the United States. Number three, he's 100% off the cuff. That's impossible. To stand up in front of 
very aggressive news media and stand there without a script and take every question. Now, we all know a certain percentage of his answers are idiotic. <laughs> Some are brilliant. But nobody has ever done this without scripting. It takes a tremendous amount of self-confidence, a tremendous amount of guts, and a certain amount of, well, whatever's going to come out is going to come out. And you're going to see it when I hear it at the same time. <laughs> he also says things that people say you can't say but we secretly think you remember when i think it was chicago and some people were being very rude and very disruptive he's god i'd like to punch that guy in the face how many people were thinking that exact same thing nobody's ever said it from a podium but yeah we were all thinking it truth be told um He's had no filter on some of the things he said, which are extraordinarily bad to say, and yet in spite of his mouth, or maybe in some cases because of it, he's the GOP nominee. Do you realize he's the first candidate since super PACs came into being to reject all super PAC money? Yes. That's really important, because super PAC money comes with super PAC deals. So when you're collecting and bundling up tremendous tens of millions of dollars, they don't just give you the money and say, good luck to you. There are very important meetings that are held behind the scenes to decide what we're getting for our money. And it's not like you make a donation or you make a donation. You make, unless you're writing a $10 million check, you don't get to sit down and dictate policy. right? So he knew that. And so he said, I'm not taking super PAC money. And he was offered well over $100 million on several occasions, and he said no. The next thing, which I, I still can't understand this, he's been what I call an equal opportunity insulter. <laughs> he's insulted women. He's insulted reporters, which I don't have a problem with. He's insulted Mexicans. He's insulted um, Muslims. That's and the handicap, you know, and yes, ma'am. Excuse me. Did he really insult Mexicans, or did he insult illegals? Well, let's go back to the speech where that started. That's an interesting question. She wants to know: Did he insult Mexicans or illegal immigrants? I guess is what you're saying. People that are here uh, in contravention of our immigration policies. Um, I would say both. Because what he said was that Mexico sends us their drug addicts and their criminals and their murderers. Let's, let's first be clear. Mexico, as a country, doesn't have a policy as to who they send to our country. They don't care. That's a, that's a fiction. It's not a national policy. However, Mexico doesn't stop anybody from leaving their country. So you get the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. But you cannot make a statement like there's a policy from a country to send us the refuse of their population. It's, it's a made-up thought. We get a lot of bad people. I mean, look at San Francisco. Right? This one guy breaks into our country five times and kills a beautiful young lady. Right? And repeatedly because San Francisco is what we call a sanctuary city meaning they don't apply any federal law 
um, in violation of federal law, you get some really bad people here. He could have said it more accurately. All I'm saying is that he said it in a way as if everyone from Mexico that breaks into the United States is a bad person. They're not. Some are, but they're not all that way. I'm just making the point from a political science view. Um, He's been extraordinarily thin on policy, although he's starting to correct that. Um, and what I mean by that is, I can't move this, sorry. Um, we'll go around. <laughs> uh, what I mean by that is that candidates run on policy. Vote for me because I'm going to do this. Vote for me because I'm going to do this. Not in just a couple of talking points, but they lay out their policies. Um, I met a number of times with Marco Rubio personally, and he had a policy on everything. I mean, this guy was so well thought out. The problem is that we've become um, a society of talking points, much less policy. So the, the candidate's policy can be very, very shallow, although there's never been a candidate as shallow in the policy area as Donald Trump. Uh, and that's going to change. I'm going to talk about that. Um, I've never heard of a candidate brag as much as Donald Trump, <laughs> ever. It's, it's completely politically incorrect. I'm a great negotiator. I'm a great businessman. I've created millions of jobs, and on and on and on. Guess what? Most people believe it. He's repeated it so many times, it's become reality. It's mostly true, but it's not completely true. Um, and, and finally, I, I think this is the most important point, he's been astoundingly unpresidential. And what people mean by that is, how should a president act? Not Republican or Democrat, but just how should a president act? It's the most important job in America. It's the most powerful person in the world. And there's a certain decorum, and there's a certain presence, and there's a certain way you speak. Even if you hate the people you're talking to, or hate the people you're talking about, there's a way to do it. So those are all the rules he broke. And he won by a landslide. <laughs> Do you realize that Donald Trump has gotten more votes than any Republican candidate in the history of America yes. thus far? More than Reagan got twice, more than Bush got twice, more than anybody by millions of votes. And he brought in millions of people that have never been part of this process before. My favorite story about this is there's a construction job I'm affiliated with, and there's this young framer that comes up to me every time I'm there to tell me his latest Donald Trump opinion. But the, the thing that I find most intriguing, this kid's 35 years old, and every time I see Corey, he reminds me, I'm going to vote for the first time. And I always tell Corey, Corey, your job as an American is to vote, and you shouldn't brag about this. And he said, and it's an interesting comment, Barry, I don't think it ever mattered before now. Right. Republican or Democrat, it all seems the same to me. And to a certain extent, he's right. Mm -hmm. You didn't see the budgets get cut in half under George Bush, no. right? The Senate and the House sort of did the same thing, and they're all sort of making the same deals. There's difference in political philosophy, and there's difference, difference thematically. 
Budgets are still crazy, deficits are still growing, it's grown religiously out of control the last seven years. But for someone that really isn't very informed, it's a true statement. Now he says, I'm registered to vote because I think there's going to be a change and I think Trump's going to do it. At least that's Corey's opinion. Okay, here's something wild for you to think about. There's two candidates in this race up till a couple days ago. Well, still technically two. Um, Bernie and Donald that are very, very similar. And I'm going to tell you why. One is middle right. The other is so far left he's barely on the planet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but they're both appealing to a similar, disaffected, I've always been out of the system group of people with a different agenda to bring them in. But Bernie has registered a tremendous number of people that have never voted before, and so has Donald Trump. And why is that important? Listen to this. There are studies that are being done now by the RNC that say somewhere between 18 and 25% of the people that are Bernie Sanders supporters can be convinced to vote for Trump in November. Because they don't believe in the system. They think the system has failed them. And from the Democratic perspective, don't forget, Bernie Sanders is not a Democrat. He's never registered as a Democrat. He doesn't self-identify as a Democrat. He's a pure socialist. He caucuses with the Democratic Party in the Senate because that's the closest thing to communist. And, and he's clear about that. Right? He had to run within the Democratic Party because no third party candidate can ever get elected in the United States, and he knew that. So that was a shrewd decision in the beginning. Having said that, there's a certain number of those people that follow him that won't follow Hillary. Why? Because she's inside the system. No different than every single candidate that ran against Trump is inside the system. Whether they say it or not, I'm going to change Washington, I'm an outsider. That was Ted Cruz's statement. Nobody believed him, right? He may not have been popular in the Senate, but he was a politician for a very long time. And when he worked in the Justice Department, he was inside the system. Marco Rubio, inside the system, right? Everyone else who ran, with the exception of Ben Carson, really was a politician, and Ben Carson really never got any traction. Although, I had lunch with him, he's a really nice guy. Um, so, having said that, how does Trump win? I think it's simple. I think the most important thing he's got to do, and he's got to stop it last week, is no more personal attacks. No more innuendo, no more name calling, no more speeches about Trump University. Because he's creating exactly what the Hillary Clinton supporters are begging him to do, which is act like he's not qualified to be the President of the United States. Americans, Republican and Democrat, young, old, black, white, doesn't matter, want their president to be presidential, impressive, statesmanlike. Doesn't matter, male or female, there's a certain way you act. And if you can start acting like that now, by November, people will look at him in a different way. Interesting personal story. Uh, a good friend of mine is his foreign policy advisor, and we talk a couple times a week. And my first question to Dr. Ferris was, what's he like in person in a meeting? Because it seems 
that he would be dictatorial, disrespectful, aggressive, egotistical, etc. Wouldn't you think? He said exactly the opposite. He's brilliant. He has an astounding memory. He wants everybody's opinion. And he synthesizes those opinions and gives it back in an intelligent, informed, organized fashion. So I said, oh my God. That's got a show on television because he'll get elected if that's the way he comes across. And Waleed said, we're all telling him that. The question is whether or not he's going to listen. But they're all telling him that. So first thing, he's got to stop the personal insults, the slander, and so on. Why? Because look what happened last week when he called a judge a Mexican. Half the Republican leadership freaked out, and rightly so. It's a racist statement. The guy was born in Indiana. He's La Raza. Hold it, hold it. And you know what? I'm going to address that. Okay. You're right. Attack him on his policies. Attack him on who he associates with. Attack him where he spends his time, money, and effort politically. I did a show 10 days ago on the way Donald Trump should have made that statement. What he should have said is, this judge is a, pol a political operative of the Democratic Party. He was appointed by the Democrats. He gives money to the Democrats, and he supports very left-wing agendas within this country. Mm -hmm. And then people go, wow, maybe that's why he's doing these rulings. Because the truth is, he's ruled against Donald Trump every single time he's had a possibility to, possibility to do that within this trial. In addition, what most people don't know is there's two law firms in that trial, sorry for the digression, but you should know this, that have been certified the class action representatives. Both have given money to Clinton or, get this, moveon.org. Those are the two law firms suing Trump University, appointed by the judge who, as this lady pointed out, is a La Raza supporter. So that's the way you tell the story. You give the facts, right? You can't call the guy a Mexican and that's why he rules like that because every judge in America is up in arms. All the constitutional scholars saying you can't attack the judiciary because you really shouldn't. Because they're gods. Uh, Basically, yes. And that's the problem. Well, that's, that's a different... Why, that's why he's hitting on all eight cylinders. People are tired of the gods making laws. Yeah. Tired of the gods living in their ivory towers and telling them how the little people should, should live. The people are tired of that. Yes. We can have another debate on that one. <laughs> Our independent judiciary must be protected. I'm a constitutionalist, and I believe that very strongly. You get bad judges, you impeach them. Okay? You cannot fight in the press with slander. Because why? You don't sound like a president. So what should you do when you debate Hillary? Oh, I've got that to come up. That's my next point. Stop looking at my speech. So my point about Donald Trump going forward, what brought him to the dance is not going to get him elected. And here's what I mean by that. Republicans elected him by an overwhelming majority, their nominee. He doesn't need your votes anymore. Yeah. He doesn't need your support anymore. He's not going to convince the Democrats to vote for him. 
This election will be decided by that middle 25%. The I can't make up my mind. The I'm uncommitted. The I decline to state. They decide who's president of the United States. There aren't enough registered Republicans to elect anybody on a presidential basis. Look at the Electoral College. It's over before it starts if he can't get the middle. How's he going to get the middle? Act in a way that they are comfortable with. Not the way you're comfortable with. You're going to vote for him no matter what. The left wing is going to vote for Hillary if she's on fire and she declares herself the devil incarnate. <laughs> and she's indicted and facing prison. 71% of the Democrats in this country said this week they will vote for Hillary after indictment. Right. 71%. So what that tells you... The, the problem is, it's not the left, it's not the right, it's the middle that decides the President of the United States. So here's how he should win. And everybody wants to tell him this, and I hope he listens. Number one, he's got to concentrate on Hillary. She's broken several hundred laws on email. Several hundred. General Petraeus was disgraced. His career was ruined over seven breaches. He screwed up. He gave him to his girlfriend that he was sleeping with while he was married, and she put it in a book. She had security clearance, but it didn't matter. He shouldn't have done it. And he was rightly disgraced. There are at least 2,200 emails that have a classification that is of a secret nature. There are several dozen SAP emails that are so top secret the IG couldn't see them when he wrote his report. The Inspector General of the State Department said there are hundreds of breaches of protocol. Nobody has ever done this in history, no matter what she says. It's a lie. And the FBI is working on an indictment for the last six months, according to every source I've ever heard. And they're going to ask for an indictment from the Justice Department. The problem is it's run by Loretta Lynch, who works for President Obama. They're both die-in-the-wool Democrats, etc., etc. However, indictment or no indictment, if Trump can beat on that in every speech, remember, Hillary's biggest weakness is trustworthiness. She's the most untrustworthy candidate the Democratic Party has ever nominated. The Democrats don't believe her. They'll vote for her, but they don't believe her. The middle counts. He's got to push on Hillary. Not only email, Benghazi. People died on her watch as Secretary of State because she went back to bed and wouldn't allow a carrier to deliver a couple jets over the embassy or special forces to be dropped on the roof. And I've talked to... Was that really her position? She could have. Can she, can she really give the stand-down order? Yes. No one knows exactly it was a stand-down order, but she refused to send. The State Department protects the embassies. That's their, their representatives. That's her job. She went back to bed. I don't want her answering the phone in the middle of the night, nor should you, nor should Americans. That's got to be pounded on her, right? Number three, the Clinton Foundation took hundreds of millions of dollars 
from foreign governments at the same time those foreign governments will lobby the State Department for policy. It's the biggest conflict of interest in the history of American statesmanship and he ought to pound on that. And people can understand that concept, yes. right? Number four, there are a great number of women that were either sexually molested, assaulted, or raped by Bill Clinton. Mm. Do you know who was the pit bull that attacked them and defiled them in the press for the last 30 years? Hillary, Hillary Clinton. Protecting her man. That may be fine privately, but for a statesman who wants, a stateswoman that wants to be president of the United States, it's unconscionable behavior. And I want to see women groups, women's groups from coast to coast, stand up and say, you let us down. You let down our sisters. Because she did. And she was vicious about it. Going all the way back to her first cases with this gal that was raped in Arkansas, and she got the rapist off. Right? Laughing about it. On a lie detector that didn't have a clear answer, and a couple other things. If these are the things he can push on, and the fact that it's her foreign policy that is based on Obama's foreign policy that confirmed, adopted, and supports the Iran nuclear deal, which she's the only political candidate running that was in favor of it, he's going to be way ahead. And one, one second, one more thing, he's got to push the economy and jobs creation. If you look at the statistics, no matter what Obama says in his speeches, the economy has been flat. If things don't change in the next quarterly report, this will be the first president in 100 years that couldn't create growth above 3% in eight years. He'll be the first president. Hillary Clinton wants to continue his economic policies. Most people get, they're not better. There aren't more jobs. Wages aren't higher. Standard of living hasn't gone up. Those are all truths. If he pushes on those things, he wins in a landslide. If he gets sucked in to the Democratic strategy, which is let him be Trump, she's going to be your next president. And it's, I think it's that simple. Is he going to listen to what you're saying? I'll tell you. He's made three, three speeches on prompter. All three have been very well received. He made the speech on Israel at APAC. It was brilliant. I know the guy that wrote it. He did the foreign policy speech on teleprompter. I know the guy that wrote it. It was brilliant. And he just did it again the other day after the, uh, that judge is a Mexican comment. And, and it was fairly well received. Hillary Clinton makes every single speech on prompter. So does Barack Obama, right? So it's not an uncommon thing. That's why she doesn't do press conferences, because she can't think independently without the prompter there. Trump's a genius at it. He's never had a prompter. He does a press conference every day. She hasn't had one in nine months. But the key is to stay on message. Because think about this. If I was to say to you, hey, did you hear what Trump said about a wall? You'd all say, yeah, build a wall. And then I'd ask you, who's going to pay for it? What would you say? Yes. Right. Look how trained you are. <laughs> right? That's the beauty of repetitive talking points. Right? The problem is he's got to get away from inflammatory things like, let's bomb all the oil fields in Iraq and Syria so ISIS doesn't get oil. 
it'll start a world war. The smart way to do it is listen to Walid Faraz, his foreign policy advisor. He's got a brilliant strategy on how to handle ISIS, support Saudi Arabia, support the uh, native Kurds, let them go fight the battle, and we'll give them the weapons to do it. And ISIS will be over with in three months. The United States has refused to do that. Refused. I'm just about to publish an interview that I did a week ago with the American ambassador to Syria who quit because our president refused to honor his red line. The red line was, if you remember, if, um, if Assad used chemical weapons against his own people, America would come in and crush him and remove him from power. And over the course of six months, the ambassador told me, first he used it in a little village, nothing happened. Then he used it bigger. Then he chemical bombed in Damascus, barrel bombs, and killed hundreds and maimed thousands. And America did nothing. So the ambassador went to the White House, made a speech, and quit. And he's a Democrat. But God bless him for standing up for what's right while people are being slaughtered because our president said, yeah, yeah, I don't want to be involved. Right? So there's right ways and wrong ways to effectuate policy. You have to do it in the proper manner. And if you do, you get to be president of the United States at this point. You have a question? Yeah. Is, is there anything that can be said on the pedophile island and the stuff that, that that's going on right now in Georgia with the person that was killed and that Clinton is supposed to? I mean, if that hit the media, wouldn't that be a game changer? Well, you know. First of all, understand a couple things which I think most people here would get. The media is not um, an encyclopedia of truth. Okay? It's a series of reports that are encapsulated and slanted by the creator of that report. So the editor of each newscast decides what news is. I'll give you a perfect example. And, I, and I, this is as topical as I can get. Yesterday, a day and a half ago, uh, two Muslim Hamas members walked into a cafe, I've been in this cafe in Tel Aviv, and started machine gunning as many people as they could. Okay? It was mass murder by terrorists that want to kill every Jew they can in the Middle East. You have got to survey how that was reported across the news media. MSNBC said, attack in restaurant. Didn't mention terrorism, didn't mention they were yelling Allah Akbar, didn't mention that Hamas claimed credit for it, right? So it looks like, geez, just a random shooting, some gun nut. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know the background, that's what you would think, right? And other news media, like Fox, on live air said, Muslim terrorists slaughtering Jews in restaurant. It's the same set of facts. It's how you report it. So when you say, well, if it hit the mainstream press, wouldn't that be the end of this or that? Depends who writes the story. Depends how it's reported. I'm getting so cynical because I've seen so many hundreds of stories be incomplete or slanted that you can literally change the story. Another example from this morning. Um, 
You all know that yesterday the president endorsed Bernie Sanders. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> met with met, met with Bernie Sanders endorsed yeah, met with Bernie Sanders endorsed Hillary Clinton. The meeting was at the White House yesterday. As Bernie Sanders was driving down the driveway, the video was released. So obviously it had been done several days before. Agree? Yeah. Right. So Bernie was basically set up. The video says, look it up, it's on the web now. I've had meetings this week with Bernie Sanders and blah, 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 blah. And we've come to the following conclusions, blah, 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 blah. That was all written and recorded before he ever met with Bernie Sanders. So it's BS. But nobody reported it that way. They said, oh, the president's been meeting with Bernie Sanders, and they've all come to the same conclusion that they have to support Hillary Clinton. But it never took place. And it's obvious because the meeting had ended about three minutes before the video got released. <laughs> so he didn't, like, buy Bernie, go record a video, then put it out. It, it was done, professionally edited, very nicely done, the three, four days before. Because it takes that long to put something like that together. But it didn't get reported. You've got to dig for that stuff. Just saying. Yes, ma'am. Real quick question. Uh, you had said that the president has to have some decorum, act presidential, and yet we have uh, uh, Obama who's done interviews with the Fruit Loop lady who stays in the bathtub, and that was decorum. I mean, we haven't gotten any lower than that, so I think this is actually a step up. Once, call, wait a minute, uh, once, you get, once you get elected, yeah. the rules change. But that was before 2012. I'm not arguing with you. It's just that we haven't had anyone that's been this aggressive, this demonstrative, this unfiltered. And, and think about this. The country is largely and mostly registered Democrat. Like, look at California. I mean, we're one of the extreme cases. Hawaii's the same. New York's the same, right? You've got to go after the middle. When I say you, I mean the, gen the, the GOP to win. The Reagan Democrats, that's how Reagan won. He got a lot to cross that line by acting and sounding and looking like a president should in your mind if you were going to cast that person. You would never cast a movie if you were a casting director as Donald Trump as President of the United States because... He wears a suit. Close, yeah. It's better than Bernie. I, I have a suit, but it doesn't make me presidential. But you look more presidential than Bernie, don't you? <laughs> okay, I'll take that compliment. All right, listen, I, I'm really short on time. I'm supposed to be in a studio in, in 18 minutes, and I'm not in a helicopter. So I'll take some questions, yes. Thanks for listening to the American Truth Project, a 501c3 nonprofit. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our social media channels to stay plugged in to the truth. Go to americantruthproject.org and subscribe to our newsletter to stay informed on the latest news.